Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1118 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back to the fifth episode of the Grand Rounds series. Of course, Grand Rounds is Jenny Smith and myself talking directly to doctors about what you need. And today's episode is about pregnancy. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juice Box podcast private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink ag1.com slash juicebox. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Cozy Earth. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com and you will save 40% off of your entire order. U.S. Med is sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast, and we've been getting our diabetes supplies from U.S. Med for years. You can as well. USmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Use the link or the number, get your free benefits check, and get started today with U.S. Med. Jenny, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. How are you? So good. Uh, Christmas is over. I hope your holiday was good. It was really, really nice. It was quiet. We didn't do a lot. We didn't go a lot of places. So there, it was just nice to be quiet and enjoy time. Yes. I'm a fan of that as well. We sat around. I think one of the best things we did this Christmas is we bought this big Lego thing that everybody could work on. And we like. Ooh, which set? Oh, it's a 3D portrait that you hang on the wall. Oh, I've seen those. Of Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. So we just all like, it started off all four of us, then I think Kelly and I got tired and then Arden kept going for a while. And then the next day I saw Cole come back into it. Arden, Arden was the one that was really focused on it though. She sat down and she really hammered through it and it's all done now. And now I'm like, Oh, we have to hang it up somewhere. So yeah, they started bringing those out quite a while ago. I remember my husband's, my father-in-law really, really, really likes Marilyn Monroe, like Mm -hmm. really likes her. And they had one (laughs) of her, quite a number of years ago. And we had looked at getting it. And at the time we were like, oh, we'll just wait until it's like a little bit less, like a holiday sale or something. Then we'll get it for him. And then it was gone. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get it anywhere anymore. So oh, we missed it. This was not inexpensive, but I did catch a sale and I thought it's about the cost of taking us all to a movie and we'll kind of sit yeah. together. And it was nice. So I'm glad That's, you had a good holiday. Yeah, we did. Thank you. Of course. And it's almost the end of the year. This is it. It's December 29th. Yeah. yeah, we're making a Grand Rounds episode today instead of doing um, whatever it is we usually do at the end of the year. Usually we just sit around and, and chit-chat, but this year we're going we're gonna to put some effort into these series, which I'm very excited about, actually. As you and I are recording like the eighth or ninth 
episode of it today. The very first episode of it actually goes up in a couple days on December or not January 2nd. So Yay! Yeah, I'm excited for people to hear it. Today, I thought we could talk about pregnancy. Cool. Now, this is a topic that when we asked the audience about it, to be honest, not much came back from them. Oh. But of course, you were very passionate about it when we were putting the list together. Mm. Uh, for people who don't know, Jenny co-wrote a book about pregnancy with type 1 diabetes called... Yes, it's called Pregnancy with Type 1 Diabetes, your month-to-month management. <laughs> your month-to-month blood glucose management. Uh, yes. Jenny put her sales voice on there. <laughs> She's like, well, hello. <laughs> it's important because not only does it present a number of issues along the way, trimester to trimester, and after giving birth and through the postpartum time. But I think that from a human perspective, a lot of young women who are diagnosed, young women that I've spoken to, who are diagnosed prior to the years where they want to have children, spend a lot of time thinking that they can't have kids or that it's not going to work out well for them or it won't be a healthy experience. It's a lot of fear leading up to that. Right. And I'm wondering if doctors couldn't do a good job of being able to talk to them in those years so they don't spend that time scared of what's coming. So maybe like, let's start there. Let's talk about what doctors should be saying to young type ones or, you know, anybody at all, really, who might be thinking about having a baby one day that can give them some comfort and guidance and maybe start getting themselves together in their mind to think that this is doable because it is. It is, absolutely. And I think you're considering it from the right starting point. You know, any young woman who has started monthly menstruation, right, or monthly period, should be told what could potentially come from now having a monthly cycle, right? Pregnancy is a potential. And If women don't understand from an early age on what that may mean, even though in the teen years, I would, I would expect that most women are not considering pregnancy, right? That's just not what their plan is at this time. In fact, it's much more about prevention Yeah. at that point. The way I hear my daughter talk about it, she just thinks about that. She believes it's going to hurt and she wants to avoid it. That's... (laughs) That's how she talks about it. So, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully somebody teaches her that that's not really the truth. But <laughs> um, but yeah, the teen years are when to start that discussion of, even if it is in a preventative way, it's know that if a pregnancy happens, whether it's unwanted or you know unplanned, I should say, not necessarily unwanted, unplanned, or it's later on planned and something you definitely desire your glucose management is going to shift. Mm -hmm. It's going to need to change. Your targets are going to change. Understanding how to navigate insulin management and everything else within that time period becomes tighter and kind of just much more controlled overall. And so from a non-scary standpoint, starting out by saying you can absolutely have children. If that's your desire someday, even though you don't want it now, someday you may want kids. And if that's the case, you can have them. I used to hate ordering my daughter's diabetes supplies. I never had a good experience and it was frustrating, but it hasn't been that way for a while, actually for about three years now, because that's how long we've been using US Med. USmed.com slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. US Med 
is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre systems nationwide. They are the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. They have served over 1 million people with diabetes since 1996, and they always provide 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. U.S. Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Libre 3 and Dexcom G7. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. Find out why U.S. Med has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau at usmed.com slash juicebox, or just call them at 888-721-1514. Get started right now, and you'll be getting your supplies the same way we do. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Cozy Earth, and right now I'm looking at CozyEarth.com to see what's going on. I got, oh, ooh, look at this, bamboo pajama set for ladies, the jogger pants for ladies, looks like plush lounge socks. That's one of Oprah's favorite things. There's the bath collection. Uh, we love the waffle towels, but there's also premium plush bath towels. Everything that you see here can be had for 40% off with the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. Even the sheets. Now, we use the bamboo sheets. You may choose different linens. I don't know what you're going to uh, love when you get to CozyEarth.com, but we sleep on bamboo sheets from Cozy Earth. They are incredibly comfortable, and I bought them myself with my own money using my own offer code, JUICEBOX, at checkout. 40% off is what I saved. You can as well at CozyEarth.com. 100%. Nobody in this day and age should be being told, well, you have diabetes and you should consider never having children. Right. Or you should really think that you don't need children down the road, right? They shouldn't be told. Or that, that it's going to be so difficult that it that it makes them think, oh, I can't do it. Or, right. you know, you put it off. Also, you know, this also impacts people's personal relationships. If you're, you mm -hmm. know, getting serious with somebody and that person one day mentions, oh, I can't wait to have kids one day. and you know, you're secretly harboring inside of you. I, I can't have children. My A1C is seven. I can't, the doctor said it needed to be six and I don't, I can't figure out how to do that. It just has a lot more impact on people than I think it meets the eye perhaps. Correct. And from my perspective, I mean, I've spent a lot of time like you have talking to people about their diabetes and how to help themselves. From my perspective, it all comes back to the basics, right? Because right now what I hear from women who are just experiencing a cycle, just a monthly cycle, mm -hmm. is I don't know what happens. You know, there's a week where everything goes nuts. I just accept that my blood sugar is going to be higher. And instead of teaching them how to handle that cycle, we tend to teach them that that's, that's the cost of doing business, you know, right. and that's just not right. But now yes, that impact, which is significant, any woman with a period who has type 1 knows how significant it is, the need for insulin, how it changes and fluctuates. But that's going to happen times a lot more during pregnancy. So if you know how to handle your cycle Absolutely. prior, I think it gives you a better chance to handle your pregnancy then. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. It also sets you up with the idea, you know, anybody who's going to a gynecologist for just, you know, the yearly checkups and all those kinds of things, that's honestly outside of endocrine bringing up this topic, especially from a female perspective. Your gynecologist should also be bringing this up, seeing on your medical history that you have diabetes 
it should be a piece of the discussion. You know, what are you doing for prevention? Or are you planning a pregnancy? If you are, this is the protocol. I'll stay with you for this portion. You may need to be handed off to a high-risk doctor for this portion of it, or you're going to go right to a high-risk doctor for this. And the idea of then how to navigate and what to expect should be part of that discussion so that, again, there's a fear factor that's removed. You can see that it's doable, but you can also see that having kind of your ducks in a line, Mm -hmm. if you will, is really, really important. Pre-pregnancy, that preconception time is so valuable once you are pregnant. You know, I usually, when I get to start with somebody, I, I hope that I get the preconception time so that we have, you know, one, two, even three months to work on, as you said, getting things all in order, getting bolus timing, getting meals that are working really well, understanding exercise, insulin dosing and timing and all of that. Once you know that, yes, it will change in pregnancy. Yes, it'll change a lot in the early weeks of pregnancy because hormones shift considerably to keep that pregnancy viable. Right. And if you know that ahead of time, you're not going to be so surprised. Yeah. If you're planning a pregnancy, you also won't be surprised with what's happening because you'll know to watch for it, right? I think the diabetes tools are universal. Yes. And you know, it's funny, like Jenny and I were talking before we started recording, and it's about something different, but this came up. Managing insulin is is a lot about pre-bolusing meals, having your settings right, knowing how to react if something goes wrong, not staring at a high blood sugar. Like these are just kind of basics that if you go through the pro tip series, you'll understand. And then after that, you apply them in different situations. And I, I really do think that one of the variables that exists for diabetes is pregnancy. Yes. It's not this like separate thing off to the side. Like, oh, you know, if you have type one diabetes, this is your life. But if you get pregnant, it's a new thing. It's the same thing with swifter moving, harder impacting variables. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's it, right? But if you have the tools to react and the knowledge to say, oh my gosh, all of a sudden my food seems to need more insulin or my, uh, I don't know, my, my, you know, my standing blood sugar, my my basil doesn't seem to be working anymore to hold me somewhere away from, you know, away from food. Right. I need to react and do something. Correct. And it's going to, like Jenny said, with these hormonal impacts, it comes hard. And sometimes, it, by the way, it takes it away as quickly as it gives it to you, right? Mm-hmm. So this isn't all about more insulin. This could be at times where you have to back your insulin down. You can't be waiting three days or until the doctor calls back or whatnot. Like when you start having these impacts, you need to react. and. Right. I mean, Jenny, to put an emphasis on the point, what's the increase you can see in the amount of insulin that some women need during certain points of pregnancy? I'm trying to I'm trying to paint a picture of what the uh, how much it can go up. Yeah, I it and in overall, again, we kind of think about pregnancy insulin management or insulin dose changes. It's kind of like a long duration variable. So that's a it's a great kind of way to describe it. It's like a marathon, right? It's not this little sprint that you get through and you take care of it and the next day is all better, right? Mm -hmm. Things shift and change. We look at variables and then we say, okay, over the course of a whole pregnancy, women's need for insulin can double or even triple depending on what their preconception dose looks like 
and what variables that are healthy lifestyle variables that they keep in the place. If you remain active, if you know your insulin dose timing, if you pay attention to the changes that you're seeing. And we usually say in pregnancy, a trend over about two, no more than three days suggests a shift that's needed in a setting. It's not a variable. It's a setting that needs to be changed. So we change much more swiftly than many, you know, many other times of life. Maybe you'll leave it a couple more days outside of pregnancy. But yeah, doubling, tripling insulin needs, especially, you know, by third trimester, by about 30 plus weeks up until about 36 weeks or so, that's the heaviest amount of insulin that you're going to see. Mm -hmm. Changes in insulin dosing on about a weekly basis you know, 10% more basal adjustments to bolus timing. I mean, by about 30 weeks, your pre-bolus time could be upwards of about 45 minutes. Right. So we're thinking, you know, we're thinking well ahead of the meal. You're thinking, I have to bolus. And we're looking, of course, nowadays, we thankfully have technology that shows where things are and how they're drifting up, down, stable. So we can use that to our advantage. But it's really, really intense third trimester. <laughs> yeah, and pregnancy is a job in itself, but pregnancy with type one, it's a real job. Like you have extra things to do now. And in a world where doctors don't often give autonomy to the patients, right? They, they'll tell them things like, well, next time you come in, we'll adjust that or call me first. That scares people. Then people mm -hmm. can't make adjustments. So in a world where they're not even able to turn a dial for 10% more or 10% less because they feel like they don't, have the ability to. Seriously, the wording that comes from people all the time is, I'm afraid I'm going to get yelled at. Mm. I can't move my insulin because my doctor will be mad at me. Can you imagine? My doctor told me if I change my settings, they'll drop me. Right. Right. So you're taking away people's ability to like read and react and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. A lot of them don't have that to begin with. Now you're putting them in a position that Jenny just described where their insulin needs are going to go up maybe weekly. And then once it really hits in that third trimester, I've heard women tell me meals that took three units took nine units. Yes. Right? If you can't make the leap to go up 10% in your basal without asking somebody, where are you going to get the nerve to bolus nine units for something you think, you know, historically is taken three. three? You can't make that decision on your own. Right. So I think that it's more about I don't think we can't help people who have become pregnant, right? Like I know you can, I've heard plenty of stories of people like, hey, I got pregnant. I didn't want, I didn't mean to. My A1C was eight and I, boom, I snapped myself together and I got it down and I did what I needed to do. But often those stories are followed by then the baby came and my A1C went back up again. Right. Yes, she got through the pregnancy and good for the baby, but the baby's counting on the mom for a whole lifetime. So. Correct. Why don't we do some things that help her throughout her life, not just for nine months. That's why I think that doctors need to hear this so that they can be pre-planning and laying this groundwork. And by the way, I, here's the big secret. We're not saying anything here you shouldn't be saying to a man either, because all we're telling you is they need to understand their diabetes and how to react to it and how to make good decisions and how to see things right. and, and, you know, and go, oh, I know what that means. I need more. I need less. Right. That's what they need. They need autonomy. And on a broad scale, what they also need kind of talking about here is really a care team. Again, when I work, when I get the chance to work with somebody prior to conception, a big emphasis is who is your care team? 
who do you know is in your corner? Is your endo on board or are they going to shuffle you off to mainly be managed by a maternal fetal medicine, a high risk doctor? Is your OB going to manage along with a high risk? Is your team six people deep, you know, and everybody, it's like too many cooks in the kitchen and you don't know who to believe about what, right? So I think mm-hmm. planning again goes a long way when we're talking about pregnancy, which is almost the course of a year, right? And a care team that doesn't slap hands, that you say, I've made these adjustments, you let them know, because that's also very important for you to tell them what you've done so that they can acknowledge and say, okay, I would have suggested that. It looks like they did that already. Great. We'll go from here, right? So you have to be, you have to be on a team and you all have to have even jobs on the team. And you have to have that discussion to know who is going to do what part of this. Do you want my records every week? Do you want my CGM information? Do you have an online database that I can download and send information so you can send me weekly you know, feedback that we can connect in between our visits that we're going to have more and more frequently, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a piece that unfortunately, some women who have not planned the pregnancy did want it, but they weren't quite sure that it was going to happen so quickly. And now all of a sudden, whoop, here we are. I don't know who I'm supposed to go and see. Right. It makes that early time even a little bit more, I guess, worrisome or concerning because they're not quite sure who they're supposed to be checking in with. Mm-hmm. And you may see an increase in women with diabetes getting pregnant soon. This is a little extrapolation but and very anecdotal, but I'm seeing on some GLP groups online, women who are just like, I don't even practice birth control. It's not necessary. I I can't get pregnant. I've been trying for mm-hmm. 20 years. They're magically getting pregnant on GLP medications. So, sure. You know, if maybe this is impacting PCOS to some degree, which is mm-hmm. allowing pregnancies and by the way, PCOS and type 1 can go hand in hand a little bit. So, this could be the time. You know, like you could see an inflation of people who are like, "Hey, I'm pregnant. I never thought this was going to happen. I've never been planning for this." Right. You know, I I'm not ready for this at all. I just think that it is so incumbent upon doctors to do more than just say, oh, you had the baby now. Your needs are going to change. Wow, thanks. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. What am I supposed to do? I've lived my Mm -hmm. whole life not knowing what I'm doing. And now I have these crazy variables. These impacts are swaying back and forth. And the extent of your help is look out. It's coming. You know? Right. And, And if you don't know... It's so disheartening to look into a physician's eyes and say, well, what do I do? And they go, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, just great. Right. And even if you did have some fairly good care during pregnancy or a really phenomenal team during pregnancy, as you said, that postpartum time period is a very significant shift. And it after nine months of navigating and managing and understanding insulin resistance. And I have this bolus timing that's like 50 minutes long. And I, you know, I've, I've stayed away from these kinds of things because I just can't navigate and I'm trying to control in these target ranges. And now postpartum, well, goodness, all those pregnancy hormones, they like get washed out. They're gone. Right. But now what do you have? Most women are trying hard to nurse at least to some degree that can have a major shift in terms of sensitivity to insulin. And if you're not ready for that, if you haven't been taught ahead of time what to expect and how to set up, let's say you're using an insulin pump or you're using injections with a certain amount of insulin, if you haven't been taught to set up a postpartum strategy or a management plan with your insulin doses, 
you are going to be on a roller coaster and it's going to be a roller coaster of a lot of scary lows, Mm -hmm. quite honestly. So again, those are all things to think about. And as a physician or, um, you know, a clinician who's taking care of women in the ages where they may be able to get pregnant or may want to get pregnant, these are discussion points that are really, really, really important. They Mm -hmm. should almost be checkoffs on that list of everything else you're checking off. They should be checkoffs, have talked about and discussed pre-pregnancy planning, targets, et cetera, or, you know, prevention techniques Mm -hmm. so that they don't have something that's unplanned happen. Yeah, it's just. (laughs) Well, I guess a couple thoughts here. (laughs) The first thing I'm thinking is I get worried that doctors will hear, yeah, you're going to give them information. They're not going to know what to do with it. And they're going to make a decision that's going to hurt themselves. But I would tell them that. It's like learning to drive. When you put a 16 or a 17-year-old into a car, right, and you, you, know, you say, all right, here's the basics, you're not teaching them how to drive completely. They haven't been through all the experiences, and they're not going to react as well as a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old would in an in a, in emergency situation. Right. But they're never going to get to that if you don't teach them that the brakes, you know, on the left Correct. and the gas is on the right, and this is how you turn, and you don't over, you know, overcompensate when something happens. Keep your eyes up. You have to teach them all the basics, then send them out there in the world and let them have experiences. And then one day something unexpected is going to happen, and you'll see how those experiences aid them in that moment. Because I just I hear it too much. Like, well, they don't know how to do it, and I tell them to bolus more. They're going to make themselves low. If you don't, the other thing's going to happen. Right. And the other thing is is worse, in my opinion, right? So we're talking about lifelong problems, Mm -hmm. life-shortening issues, Mm -hmm. not I got a little low, I figured it out, and next time I didn't use as much. You you know, like you you have to give people the opportunity to to fend for themselves. Yes, You can't just act scared and tell them, no, we can't tell them because they won't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. No. Like you need a shot at taking care of yourself. And, And the other thing I wanted to bring up is, you were talking about the nursing and how it could lead to lows, right? Mm-hmm. I think that what you really need to understand as a physician is that, that if you don't prep somebody for that and it happens, here's going to be the decision tree. I'm holding a newborn baby, trying to nurse it. I got low. I'm never going to let that happen again. Right. You just put that person's A1C up one or two points because they're going to be fearful with their insulin from now on in another situation where they didn't need to be if they knew how to use it correctly. Either that or they're going to stop nursing. Oh, and right? I didn't even think because of that. Because yeah. if the nursing is what's causing the sensitivity to insulin and every time they nurse, they put two and two together and they're like, well, gosh, if I just stopped nursing, I clearly wouldn't be low all the time or mm-hmm. I wouldn't have all these issues. I guess I'll just switch to formula when quite honestly, it's better to breastfeed. It's better to provide breast milk, whether it's pumped or it's nursing or whatever it is. It's right. just better for many reasons. and. If those, if that's what you put together, then unfortunately somebody has missed their job in teaching you how to avoid that as a problem, not only being too high and also not feeling great, at, great, but on the opposite of that, being able to continue doing what you wanted to do to begin with for your infant. You're just not putting people in the best possible scenario. Like that point right there about them maybe stopping breastfeeding, right? And the health implications of it aside, forget, like, put those aside for a second. You have no idea, unless you've been a woman or been married to one for 25 years like I have been, their entire life. 
they'll never let go of it. I wanted to breastfeed that baby and I didn't. And it's going to feel like a like it's going to be a mom guilt thing that will never leave them. And that is another opportunity to alleviate another problem from people. And with what are we talking about? Some pre-planning, some light knowledge of how insulin works and some, you know, more, I don't know, laser focused knowledge about what's going to happen during your pregnancy and and how to react to it. It's not undoable. People do it all the time. Jenny shepherds people through it. Mm hmm. I get notes all the time. What do you hear me joke about on the podcast all the time? One day, someone's going to name a baby after me. <laughs> By the way, it has not happened yet, but I did get a dog and something else. Not the point. The point is, is that I do get a lot Scott's of That's a great name for a dog. <laughs> you know, it's not. And by the way, my name is terrible. Don't name your baby, Scott. It's just, it's very short and curt. And it's not really very melodic. And I don't think you should do it. But my point is, is that I get a lot of notes from people who say that I just had a healthy baby because of this mm-hmm. podcast. And it's just a podcast. You're a doctor. <laughs> like you could, you could do this for people all day long. Right. You know? Right. I mean, on the same note of what nursing can do, if someone is also not navigating and they have a roller coaster, they're just ending up riding higher blood sugars from a safety standpoint, that's also going to have an impact on their breast milk production. Okay. Right. So, you know, hydration is really important. Hydration is a very under-discussed, unless you're talking to the nurses in the hospital postpartum who are really awesome at bringing you water and making sure you're drinking, drinking. When you go home, there's nobody who's going to bring you your water. There's nobody who's going to emphasize how important that is. There's nobody really who's going to re-emphasize for you how important not running consistently high blood sugars is for actually providing enough, you know, quality breast milk, right. honestly. So you're already asking a lot of your body before you're you trying, trying to make breast milk. And you see it with people living with diabetes all the time. Just being dehydrated slows down their insulin use, the efficacy of the insulin that they have in them. Now they're pushing more insulin to get the same response. They don't know. All of a sudden they get hydrated or they, you know, they, they find a better way and boom, they drop low. They're eating. You, you turn the whole life into this. Right. This chase that that's just you're always chasing diabetes instead of, I don't know, like impacting it and and bending it to their will to some degree, you know. Right. Especially with CGMs, you know. Right. All of this is just so imminently possible. And if you're geez, if you God, if you're helping a person who's pregnant, you don't have them on a CGM. I I mean you've made a mistake, you know. So Correct. Absolutely. We'll talk about the other side of it for a second, Jenny, because we're not horrible people who just think that doctors don't do a good job. First <laughs> no, of all, the, not at all. Right, there right. are men, amazing teams out there. Immensely great. You know, just I've seen it over and over again, but it's not what everybody gets. Right. And, you know, if you're in a position to help somebody and you don't understand these things, I mean, this is going to sound like I'm saying just listen to my podcast, but just trust me, enough people listen to it already that if you as a doctor don't listen, I'll be okay. So I don't, I'm not just asking you to listen, but you could take, I don't know, a couple of hours and listen through some of the pro tip series, or you mm-hmm. could listen to, we have like 16 episodes about pregnancy from like pro tip episodes about pregnancy down to, I think I did an interview with one woman after each of her trimesters and then yes. after she gave birth, right? Like, yep. Somebody said, it felt like my insulin needs changed as soon as I delivered the placenta. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. Who would think about that? You know, like she's like, that placenta came out and I was turning down my basal. 
mm-hmm. and heading back normal. I've heard other people say it took days for my insulin needs to change. Like anywhere in between, but at least you know to look for it. I mean, this whole, honestly, this whole like discussion here is really the reason that, you know, we're we're emphasizing for, to the clinician's benefit to provide education, provide information, to provide a start so that somebody doesn't feel so lost through what is a fairly long amount of time, you know, in terms of a developing baby, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the reason that I put together the the book that I did with with my co-author, because quite yeah. honestly, there there wasn't anything. I mean, I went through my two pregnancies, my first one especially, looking up, researching, doing a lot of ahead of time work to know what I was getting into and to know how I could expect. But where was that information coming from? Like research articles. It wasn't like a pamphlet online that is like, this is what you should expect. So you're pregnant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Well, that's where, I mean, that's how the podcast became what it is, right? I'm just one day thinking like, how do I help my daughter? Mm-hmm. And then you just pull information together. You put it into practice. It works. You keep what works. You get rid of what doesn't. And then from there, it's about how to communicate it, which is what this is about. Like, I don't know something about diabetes that you can't go read somewhere. I'm not a magic person who understands something that does that the rest of you don't get to know. Right. I do understand this stuff. I do know how to implement it. But the thing I think I'm good at is describing it to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that is a thing that doctors could become good at. Right. But you have to first become proficient at it as if you're trying to save your daughter. You know, like, or as if you're Jenny and you're pregnant and you're like, I don't know what to do. I need to figure this out, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you have to put yourself in their position while you're collecting the data and feeling the importance of it. Right. And then you learn how to talk to people about it. And the only way you're going to learn is the same way those people are going to learn how to use insulin. You got to start. And you might, maybe you'll screw it up at first. Maybe you will, right? Like, maybe the first time you try it, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said it that way. And it might take you a couple of, of people before you really get good at it. But it doesn't right. take that long. And don't be scared, you know, like just get out there and try to help somebody. Right. You'd be surprised what happens. You know, and I think because the grand majority of general medicine practitioners are going to see women who potentially don't have pre existing diabetes, you know, before pregnancy, mm-hmm. I think there's an unfortunate group of women who have gestational diabetes, right? with testing in that like late second trimester, a glucose tolerance test reveals that their body is not navigating glucose. It's not navigating food the way that it should. And that there is something that needs to be done in order to have a healthy baby there on out, right? But what I've really seen is the aftermath delivery for women who have had gestational during pregnancy. While there is postpartum further testing, to evaluate that, yes, your glucose levels have gone back to normal, your body is responding like it should. I think it's an underserved, undereducated in terms of lifestyle changes they made in pregnancy mm-hmm. and how important those changes are to keep because there's a high risk of type 2 diabetes if you have had gestational diabetes, right? And so it's an underfollowed. Oh, yeah. It's treated piece. like we got you. We got the baby out. Right. It's over now. Right. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Am I going to get diabetes one day? Maybe. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, right. never think about it again. Oh, my gosh. The the people with type two. My God. Like, you know, if you think people 
pregnant with type one aren't getting good good information. People with type two are being just dropped left and right. Like we have somehow as a society decided that there are some things that happen to you and when they happen, you get pushed off onto another line. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they lose. Yeah. And andor it's not until something really significant is happening, you know, let's say pre-pregnancy, a type woman with type two is managing quite well, mm-hmm. right? And is again undereducated in what to expect to happen. And so they don't know how to keep up enough and they end up coming in and now blood sugars are all over the place and their medications they were using, they're not working anymore or medications maybe weren't discussed well enough to say, you're likely going to need to change to using insulin. Are you ready for that? You know, this is what it would look like. And we're going to have you follow up with a high risk doctor to ensure that you're being managed really, really well. Again, it's a missing part of education for that group. It's become popular to say that, you know, it's not healthcare, you know, you're not really getting healthcare, right? It's not, nothing's preventative. We just try to fix you after you're broken, right? That that's how the system works. And it is how the system works. I'm not saying that. No, no, you're right. Maybe it's not that simple. Maybe it's more that we're not good at preventative. Not that we're not trying, but maybe people just don't know how to do it or how to communicate it because you know what I mean? Like, I know there's the the business and the money side of it, and that the money side is directed at what it's directed at. I understand all that. I'm not being I'm not being Pollyanna about it. Right. But I do think that part of the reason I wanted to make this podcast series is because I don't think that this doesn't happen just out of apathy. I think it doesn't happen because people don't think to do it. Like that everyone is like they see themselves as either working or broken. Do you know what I mean? And when you're working, you don't have to do anything about it. Like nobody does sit-ups when they're thin. I mean, listen, after New Year's, go outside and everyone jogging, you're going to look at and think, oh, they should have started jogging like three years ago. Right. <laughs> right? Like, right. But you, it's not till it hits you where you're like, I have to do something. It's not a very human thing to work on things that aren't obvious. But in this specific situation, if you know to do it, you're saving a ton of problems. Right. On the back end, just like you would with anything else. But here it just seems more imminently important to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, you said it in a very nice way. You said it. Did I? <laughs> that, I don't to do that. That there is no preventative medicine. And you know the reason like for that, right? I there's mean, There's no money in it. Yeah. There's <laughs> no, I mean, I did right. not, I, there's no way to delicately say there's no money in preventative medicine. Right. If you've got somebody coming in who is really healthy because you've told them this, this, and this in terms of lifestyle, and yes, these vitamins, no, you don't need this, eat carrots, y- y- whatever it is, that's a one visit. Hmm. And you know what? Maybe they're going to go off on healthy life for the next five years because- Never come back. You taught them to be healthy. That's awesome. That's how our healthcare system should work, but it doesn't make money. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, honestly, I I understand how it happens and what the cycle is that brings us to that. And then once you get into that cycle, it holds us in that cycle. Like that I all get. I get all that. So maybe this is the part of the conversation for the patients where I'm telling you, if you just go listen to the pro tip series, then when you get pregnant, you should probably be able to do this. No trouble. Right. You know, and I do honestly believe that. I don't think that the podcast is magical. I don't think that the information is magical. I just think that it's being communicated in a way that is digestible for you, Mm -hmm. understandable, and will put you in a position to make good decisions. Right. 
And I think that really is the key to this because as much as I'm hoping that doctors figure it out and that people listen to this and go, oh, I am going to do that. I'm more certain that you're probably going to run into a doctor that helps you yes or no, it's going to be a coin flip. And you're not going to know the difference when it happens. Mm -hmm. That really is the biggest trouble is that you're not going to know if you got a good one or a, or not a good one until it's a little too late. By the way, marriage is like that too. (laughs) Well, it all starts with a pre-consideration. I could explain to you how not to do that too, but it just would take too much time. But Listen, if you want a good life, you do the work first. Right. That's it. You do yes. the work first, and then the rest is easy. And whether it's pregnancy or marriage or being a doctor, I mean, we're not really saying anything that difficult here to understand. No, this <laughs> is like, not rocket science. <laughs> I, we've said, I don't know how many times we've said that. This yeah. is not rocket science. Effort up front, everything else gets easier. That's all. So I know not everybody's going to make a baby on purpose or, you know, and that doesn't make your pregnancy invalid, obviously, or that the love you're going to have invalid. But if you're running around with an 8A1C and you're a woman who could at any point be pregnant, I'm going to tell you that this podcast is full of stories mm-hmm. from women who are in that situation. And when you hear them tell that story, what you're going to hear them say at some point is, I wish I would have learned how to do this sooner. Yes. I just don't want you all to be in the position where you're always saying, I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. Instead, you could say, you know what I did? You know, I learned about this thing that really impacts my life and it made my whole life better. Right. That's what I'm hoping for. And if you learn it the way that it's presented and again, digestible, right? Bits and pieces that you can take, you can apply based on what you see happening long term in that postpartum time period, you're going to stick with what you know mm-hmm. because of the fact that you had been applying it already. So it's not going to get all thrown out the window because, oh, it's all over now. And I can just go back to completely forgetting everything that I've learned. You're more likely to continue it, especially if you plan to have another child someday, Mm -hmm. right? You don't want to start out from ground zero all over again. You might as well continue with what you know and keep things in a range that long term is going to keep you healthy, whether you have kids or not. Yeah. That happens for some people. And then for other people, they fall into that trap where everything gets slotted above. It's the baby first and then things that affect the baby. And then the next thing you know, you're not even thinking about yourself till 20 steps down on your list. Right. And when you have diabetes, that can't happen. No. So you, if that's mom guilt, I don't know what does that, right? What makes you, although I was a stay at home dad for 20 years, I was the one like I'd make food and then like eat what was left. You know what I mean? I was <laughs> you like, fed oh, your is... family first and then you took the scraps, right? Yeah, And you think nothing of it while you're doing it. As a matter of fact, you feel kind of, I don't know what the word is, but you feel good about it almost. Like, like I put people before me. Mm-hmm. It can't be like that with your diabetes. Like I tell my daughter all, the time, all of the time, you are first. Mm-hmm. I don't care in what scenario in life. If it's you're out driving with your friends, if you're off at college, if you've met a boy, if you're just living your life, sitting around the house, it's diabetes, Mm -hmm. then anything else you want to put after that. We cannot ignore the diabetes first because it will ruin everything else if we ignore it. Right. Absolutely. It's diabetes first. And when you do that, it makes diabetes, this is going to sound strange, but if you make it first and you understand what to do and you have the tools, which are very accessible here in the podcast, 
then everything else, like I just said, gets easy. Like, and then all of a sudden you don't think about, I think people must believe right. that I'm constantly thinking, or Jenny's constantly thinking about her diabetes. I mean, honestly, Jenny, no. do you really think about it that often? No, I, in fact, I don't. I mean, I know a lot of people who sit with like, you know, their apps open and whatever, their tools, and they look at it. Unless my thing makes noises at me for some reason. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't looked at Arden's blood sugar today. Right. Unless it's making noises at me or, you know, my pod is like decided to give the death toll, the, you know, the Mm -hmm. E for some strange reason. Oops. Clearly then I address something, but yeah, yeah, I mean- I try really hard to, because I know what I am doing, and most of the time, you know, 90% of the time I'm doing similar things over and over, Mm -hmm. I can let it take a backseat, but not in a way that I'm forgetting about it. It's just because things work because I know how to make them work. It's the driving analogy again. Yes. You can get in a car and drive 100 miles. I just drove 700 miles one way and turned back around and drove 700 miles back again. I didn't hit anything. I didn't come close to dying, like, right? Like, I just been driving a long time. I have these tools that I don't even know I'm using that I'm using. It doesn't weigh me down. I didn't get home and go, oh my gosh, my life is ruined. I had to think about driving. And I think right. like, diabetes the same way. I just said, I haven't seen Arden's blood sugar today. So I opened up my phone. Her blood sugar is 107. It hasn't been below 70 or over 110 in the last 12 hours. Yay. But all that is, is settings and tools and insulin timing that I've already taught myself that happen almost automatically when we need them to happen. Correct. That's yeah. my point about all this. It's yes. my point about the whole damn podcast. I, I'm sick of telling people, damn it, Jenny, I made myself upset. <laughs> Go make a baby. Wait till it throws up on you. It's going to be a big ball of fun. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. Sure actually. it is. It's absolutely fantastic. Everyone should have a whole bunch of babies. There are a lot of, they're big party. Good luck paying for college. Um, <laughs> thank yes. you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. Of course. It. No, this is great. Thanks. I'd like to thank Cozy Earth for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast and remind you that using my offer code JUICEBOX at checkout will save you 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. That's the sheets, the towels, the clothing, anything available on the website. Arden has been getting her diabetes supplies from US Med for three years. You can as well. USMed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. My thanks to US Med for sponsoring this episode and for being longtime sponsors of the Juicebox podcast. There are links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to U.S. Med and all of the sponsors. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. Wrongwayrecording.com Jenny Smith holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring systems. She's also had type 1 diabetes for over 35 years, and she works at integrateddiabetes.com. If you're interested in hiring Jenny, you can learn more about her at that link. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com 
forward slash juice box. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable, text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month of therapy. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Hey, if you kept listening through all that, I really appreciate it. I just wanted you to know that, you know, it's Saturday night at like nine o'clock and I'm making a podcast and you never know who's going to listen to it. But the fact that you listened this long, it really means a lot to me. Thank you so much.